We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ's likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Amen. Well, what is salvation? What does it mean to get saved or to be saved? What does it mean to be a Christian? And, and, and how do you know if you are? You see, these are important questions, and what we've been talking about in our Back to the Basics series is these basic questions of the Christian faith. We've been talking three questions like, what is Christianity, and looking at how the answer is, is that Christianity is all about Jesus and following him. We've looked at questions like, what is the Bible and why should we trust it? And again, finding that the Bible itself claims to be revelation from God about himself, and the reason we should trust it is because it comes from God and not from you and I. And we've talked about questions like last week, where we asked, what is the gospel? What is the good news of Jesus Christ? What is it that Jesus has done for you and I? That, that is good news for the hurting and broken, that is good news for the sinner, the one who has rebelled against God and separated themselves from him. And, and today we look a little bit more at an aspect of, of this good news as we consider what does it mean to be saved? What is salvation? You see, Christians, we, we, we talk about this and we use this term all the time, and, and, and whenever you ask somebody, what is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? What, is, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or, or how do you know that you're saved and a Christian? You know, sometimes you'll get responses like, well, I grew up Christian. I, I grew up going to church, and, 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 and my mom taught Sunday school, and my dad was a pastor or a deacon, and, and so I've been around the church my whole life, and, and I've always been a Christian, or you'll get answers like, I, I, I prayed this prayer when I was five that, that my mom led me through, and, and that's when I became a Christian, and, and, and my life hasn't looked a whole lot different after that, but, but once saved, always saved, because I prayed a prayer. Or, or we'll say, well, I, I was baptized as, as a baby, and, and, and when the priest baptized me, then, then I became a Christian just like my parents did. Or, 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 or even, even more terrifying is when you're in leadership in a church and you think, well, I'm a Christian because I'm a pastor, or I'm a Christian because I'm a deacon, or I'm a Christian because I teach Sunday school, or I serve in the nursery. You see, we begin to answer this question, what is salvation, and, and, and how do you know that you're a believer in Christ? How do you know that you're saved in all sorts of ways, but the problem with many of our answers is that they're nowhere found in Scripture, is that when we seek to answer this question, we, we fail to let God speak for himself. We seek to talk about what it means to be a Christian without looking to Jesus and what he said being a Christian meant, and, and looking to what God's word said about how we're saved and how we can know 
that we're saved, that we know God, and that we're in relationship with him. And so this question, what is salvation, is vitally important for us because it doesn't just have to do with the way that you live your life right now. It has nothing to do with your church attendance. It has nothing to do with how often you read your Bible or how much you pray. It has nothing to do with whether or not you were baptized. It has nothing to do with the role that your parents or you have served in a local church. You see, salvation has to do with much more than that. Salvation has to do with eternity. With an eternity either spent in right relationship with the God who made us, or an eternity separated from him forever. This is what salvation is all about. Being reconciled to the God who made us through the blood and work of Jesus Christ. And so it's not about your upbringing, it's not about your church attendance, it's not about the prayer that you prayed when you were five, and it's not about whether or not a priest sprinkled water on you or a pastor dunked you under some water. It's not about your family members' roles in your church or yours. It's not about religious rituals and good deeds. Salvation is primarily about God and what he's done for us. And so today we're going to look at three questions. Number one, what is salvation? And secondly, we'll see, how can I be saved? And thirdly, how can I know that I'm saved? And so I hope you'll, you'll keep a bookmark in a couple different places in Scripture. We're going to look at passages like John chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, and Ephesians chapter 2, among several others. So I hope you'll keep a bookmark in those places, and we'll have the verses on the screen as well. If you can't get there in time, no worries. So as we ask this question, though, what is salvation, there's a question we have to ask before that. Before asking what does it mean to be saved, we have to ask, saved from what? What do we need to be saved from? If I need to be rescued from something, if I need to be saved and delivered, if I need someone else to save me, then what is it that I need to be saved from? And, and the way that the Bible answers this question is, is that we need to be saved from sin that causes spiritual death and separation from God. And so in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, here's what we read about sin and what it does with our relationship with God. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, which is another word for your sins or your transgressions, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So the idea in Isaiah is not that God cannot hear us or that God cannot save us, but that sin has done something in our relationship with the God who made us that is devastating Sin has separated us from God, Isaiah says, and it's hidden his face from us so that we cannot see him clearly. We cannot hear his words the way that we need to. We need God to do something about the state in which we find ourselves because of the ways in which we've rebelled against him. Because it leaves us in a place where we cannot get to God. We cannot know God unless God does something to redeem us. Unless God reconciles us to himself somehow. 
Because we've created a gap that you and I cannot bridge. It's like closing a door that you can't ever open again. You see, I, I, have, this, I have this weird thing with doors. Um, and Cameron's going to laugh at me here in just a moment. Because I can't ever get them open. It's the weirdest thing I've, I've like, and it, it, just in the last year, I've never experienced anything like this. So, it, you know, and it, and it doesn't matter, push or pull on the, on the signage, that doesn't matter. Somehow, I just, doors, particularly around the church, I can't get them open. Everyone else can, but I can't. I, you know, I'll go to the office door, and, and I'll stick my key in, and I'll, I'll turn with everything that I've got, and it won't turn. And then I'll, I'll ask Cameron... Hey, can can you look at this lock because I think something's wrong with it. I can't get it open. And Cameron will walk up, put his key in the door, and turn it, and it opens. And then at our house, we've got this we've got this door that goes from our bedroom out to our porch, and that's where the grill is and stuff. And 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 for I kid you not, for a month, I could not get this door open. I, I tried everything I had. I, had. I had Brittany try, too. So, like, you know, it was multiple people couldn't figure out this door, okay? So defend myself a little bit. But there's, there's this deadbolt, and so I thought, you know, maybe something's wrong with the deadbolt. So, you know, I made sure, you know, it was turned right, and, and then it, it just wouldn't come open. So I thought, you know, the temperature had kind of risen a little bit lately, and so maybe the door just kind of had, had swollen up a little bit, and that's why I couldn't get it open. So I would stand there, and I would, I would pull with everything that I had, and nothing. And I said, Cameron, come look at this door. And you can imagine what happened. Cameron turns the first deadbolt. And little did I know there was a second. Right underneath it. And he turns the second one and opens the door. You see, and I, I don't tell that story just to say something embarrassing about myself, right? But I know you enjoyed that. But the reason I tell that story is because it, it's... It's kind of like our relationship with God, where, where what sin does is it separates you from God, and it, and it closes a door that you can't get open. No matter how hard you try, you can't open the door. You need someone else that can to come and do it for you so you can walk through it. This is what God does for us in salvation. It's, we're not in this place where we can just get some self-help and, and, and figure it out ourselves. It's, it's worse than my door situation. This is a door that you actually can't get open because even if you were smart enough, you wouldn't be able. Because here's what Paul says about our condition in sin. He says, not just have we been separated from God, not just is God's face hidden from us, as Isaiah says, but Paul says we're actually dead in sin. In Ephesians 2, we read this. Turns out I can't use bookmarks either. Here we go. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. 
He's describing what it's like to sin here, to live according to our own desires rather than God's and carry out the things that we want to do rather than the things that God wants for us. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so Paul says your problem is not that you need the latest self-help book. Your problem is not that you just need to wash your face and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Your problem is that sin has resulted in this space, in this reality for you, where you are spiritually dead. Even though physically you walk around, talk, live, move, and breathe, spiritually, that's not reality for you and I, apart from Christ. See, Paul says that our sin has not just separated us from God, it's not just hidden his face from us, but it's actually made us dead spiritually. We're not able to open the door because we're dead. So it's not that you need someone to, to throw you a life raft. It's that you need someone to jump in the water because you've already sunk to the bottom. And you need someone to rescue you and breathe new life back into your dead soul. We need to be rescued. We need to be delivered. We need to be given life after we've already died spiritually. This is what salvation is about. This is why we need salvation. Sin is this trespass of God's commands that separates us from God, who is the very source of life and everything that is good. And we're completely separated from him, and we're spiritually dead, having no way to get back to him. See, God's word warns us about this reality before we enter into it. And, and, and the things that God's law provides for us, it, it's like a no trespassing sign. So some of you have heard me use this illustration before where, you know, you're going, you're driving along and there's this no trespassing sign that, you know, sh- you know trespassers will be shot, right? So it's warning you about something. And this is how God's word is for us. It, it warns us of the dangers of sin and what the results are. See, if you trespass that boundary, then only bad things can happen. The sign is actually telling you the way to your good, the way to what you need, the way to what you need to keep on living, the way that, to what you need for what is good and so that your life will continue. It says, don't go this way because there's only death to be found here. And this is what God told humanity from the beginning is that outside of of knowing him, of being in right relationship with him, of walking with him, of trusting him, there is only death. When we rebel against God's commands, when we trespass his good boundaries that are not meant to take joy from you, but to lead you into it, Did you know that about God? He doesn't want to steal joy from you. He wants to give you the fullest joy you could possibly imagine and more. And and his word teaches us how to find that in him. But we think that our own way is best. We think that we can know what we need to do. But the reality of our state is much more dire than we've ever realized. You don't need to wash your face. You need Jesus to wash you with his blood. 
You don't need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need Jesus to save and deliver you and rescue you from sin. And so what is salvation? If, if this is why we need to be saved, what, what is salvation according to Scripture? There's three things that I want you to see about salvation. First, salvation is instantaneous. So this is what we commonly think about when we talk about getting saved. When we think about salvation, this is what most people think about, is this experience of getting saved, of initially coming into right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us by God's grace. So salvation is the experience of receiving the gift of new spiritual life from God as he rescues us from sin, suffering, and ourselves. It, it, it's like a gift, like a, like a Christmas present. You know, when, whenever someone gives you a Christmas present, all you do is receive it. You didn't do anything. They went out and bought it. They went out and wrapped it. They gave it to you so that you could enjoy it. You did nothing. It, it, salvation is not like the kind of Christmas gift that you buy yourself. And I know some of you do that. I'm not, I'm not ragging on you, Okay. Like, sometimes Brittany doesn't know which book I need to have, so I go ahead and buy it, right? So, sorry, but, but, but here's the reality. It's like, salvation is not like that. It's like a gift that you cannot afford. You cannot afford to buy it for yourself. You couldn't purchase it if you gave everything that you have. Because you're dead. You're separated from God. His, his face is hidden from you. You cannot do anything to get this gift. God himself has to give it to you. Because it's a gift. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. In verse 4, he, he starts by saying, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, you see this about salvation, how it's initiated by God's love, not your love for him. Because of the love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, even though we did exactly what God warned us about doing, even though, like a child that disobeys their parent, we refuse to listen to the one who knows what's best for us. He says, even though he has made us alive together with Christ. Listen to this next word. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here's that famous verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his work, workmanship. Meaning that God does this work in us. This saving work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation is by grace as a gift, and it's received by faith. All you do is receive it. It's a total gift from God. 
Next, I mean, we see, we see some other metaphors in Scripture for this experience of salvation. We see that in John chapter 3, salvation is being born again. So here's, here's the story we read in John chapter 3 about this man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who comes to Jesus. This was a religious ruler. He was an elite in his community. He was somebody who would have said, who would have said I know God. I'm religious. I do religious things. I read my Bible. I pray a ton. This is the type of man that comes to Jesus here. And listen to what happens. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's sad and almost hysterical how, how badly Nicodemus is missing the point. It, it's not just that God is with Jesus. It's that God has showed up in Jesus. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember how Isaiah said God's face is hidden from us because of sin? Jesus says we need new spiritual life. We need a new birth. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he's saying, Jesus, you don't understand. That's impossible. That's the idea. Salvation is something that is impossible for each and every one of us. It's something that only God alone can do in us, that only God can accomplish. Only God can bring life where there's only death. Only God can breathe life into spiritually breathless. This is what Jesus is saying, is you need to be born again. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says there's a kind of spiritual birth that only God's Holy Spirit can accomplish in you. Only he can bring new life because you're dead in sin, separated from God. His face is hidden from you. You cannot see the kingdom unless the king brings new life and new sight. Salvation is about being born again. It's about God breathing spiritual life into you. And you can't do this. God has to do it. And, and, and that's the good news. As you, as you read further in John chapter 3, we hear about this God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die in our place that if we would believe in him, if we would just receive this gift he's offering to us, we would be saved. We could know him. We could be reconciled to him. 
This is what salvation is about. Salvation is also about being made new. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. God makes you a new person in Christ Jesus. The old you dies, and the new you is risen to life in Jesus' resurrection. Salvation is being delivered in Colossians chapter 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so salvation is, is this experience where God takes you out of a kingdom of darkness and death and brings you into his kingdom of light and life to serve the one true king. God transfers your identity, your citizenship. You no longer belong to the kingdom of this world, but to the kingdom of God. God does this. He brings about our redemption and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Finally, and I hope you hear me saying this, salvation is something that God does. In 1 Peter chapter 1, We read this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God does this in us. He saves us. It's it's not anything that you or I can do that no one would be able to boast that our only boast would be in God alone and what he's accomplished in Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, there's nothing like a, a story to illus- illustrate this. I have this friend who uh, was, was saved in a, a, a miraculous way. All of us are saved miraculously because it's God who does it. But his story illustrates this so perfectly, I think. He, he spent many years of his life being a, a huge partier, he, he, he drank way too much and he partied way too hard and, and his life was being affected by it. It was, it was being destroyed and devastated by his actions. And he didn't even realize it. And one night, he, he, he's driving home from a party and he's so plastered that he has no idea where he's at. Can you think about how scary that is? That's, that's, that's you and me in sin. We don't even realize how bad off we are. We don't even realize where we're at. And we need somebody to rescue us because we've made a mess of it all. And, and so my friend is, is driving, and, and sure enough, he, he sees the lights behind him, those blue and red lights that all of us dread. And he gets pulled over, and as he's going throughout the test, you know, for a DUI, and, and he's, he's talking with the officer about what he's been doing that evening. And at one point, he looks up, and he sees a cross. And what he realized in that moment was somehow he'd ended up in a church parking lot, and he had no idea how he got there. But all he could see was the cross. And God radically changed him in that moment. He knew that God had brought him to the cross of Christ. That that he needed to be rescued. 
that he needed someone to make him completely new. And his life was changed in a moment. It was instantaneous. He was never the same. And and today he is one of the most joy-filled people I have ever met in my life. And, And you can't be around him without being filled with joy yourself. And, and the reason he has that joy that's just infectious is because in that moment when he saw the cross, he realized that the only place he could find lasting joy was not in the place he, is, he had sought it, but in the God who came to save. It, it, it reminded me as he told me his story the first time of the Apostle Paul and, and how he wanted nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with these silly Christians who, who were devastating his culture and his religious environment. And, and, they, and he wanted nothing to do with them. In fact, he threw them in prison. He, he made sure that they were beaten and he watched as one of them was stoned to death. He wanted nothing to do with the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul. And one day... He's, he's, he's riding to another city so that he can imprison more believers in Christ. And Jesus shows up and essentially knocks him down with his glory and, and saves him. And he's made new in an instant because of an encounter with God himself in Jesus Christ. So salvation is this instantaneous experience. And and so maybe you say, well, I don't really remember a moment. That doesn't necessarily mean there wasn't a moment. You know, as we talk about this moment of salvation where God just brings new life, where he changes you, where he makes you new. I'm reminded of, of... pastor and author Matt Chandler's story where he, where he had this experience where a friend just kept inviting him to, to youth group with him as a teenager, and, and he thought it was ridiculous, much like the Apostle Paul. He didn't want anything to do with that, but, but for some reason, he agreed to go one evening, and, and he walks in, and, and sure enough, like they're, they're saying things about living a holy life and, and Jesus dying on a cross and, and providing salvation. And, and he's like, this is ridiculous. And so he, he goes home, and on the, on the way home, his friend's talking to him about the service. You know, what did you think, you know? Uh, and, and he's like, well, you know, I thought this was kind of dumb, you know? And, like, and then they get to his house, and he's going to drop him off, and, and his friend asks him, Matt, do you want to go next week? And he's like, sure. And, and he had no idea why he wanted to go back, but he did and so he keeps going with his friend to church each week and hearing this youth pastor preach. And again and again, he just thinks it's ridiculous. Then he said one moment, one, one night, there was this moment as the pastor was preaching where he just had this realization, oh no, he got me. He got me. I believe. <laughs> he didn't want to believe. He didn't want anything to do with it. And all of a sudden, God brought new life. God awakened him from spiritual death to spiritual life in a moment, changed his heart. And he believed. And, and, and the, next, the next week, he's like buying Jesus t-shirts and taking them to school. And he's like trying to evangelize all his friends that he partied with on the weekends. And like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he knows he loves Jesus. And the week before, he wanted nothing to do with him. 
Salvation is instantaneous. It's a work of God that God accomplishes in us as he brings us to new life in Christ. And the way we receive it is faith. So, so what if you can't remember a moment, though? That doesn't mean a moment hasn't happened. I can't remember a moment. I, I remember walking through six months of intense depression. That's what I remember. And I remember Christians around me praying for me and speaking God's word into my life and preaching the gospel to me. And I remember starting to read his word. And it wasn't that that, that made me a Christian because I read the Bible or because I started to pray. It was that at some point, and I don't remember when, God brought new life to me. He saved me out of my suffering and sin and my despair and hopelessness. And he showed me that there's joy to be found in Jesus Christ, that there's life in him. Salvation is instantaneous, but it also continues. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and listen to this, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the words that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so Paul says, listen, the gospel is about your initial salvation, but this, this salvation, it doesn't stop when you meet Jesus for the first time. It continues. God continues to save you. This is Christians, we, we, we use a word to describe God's continuing work in us to bring us into more Christ-likeness. We, we use the word sanctification. It expresses this idea of growth and, and God constantly purifying us, delivering us from sin and, and all that was dark in us and bringing us into light. Peter, Peter as, he, as he talks about this this new birth that God brings about in us, he goes on to say that these same people who have been saved by God are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. And so Peter has this this way of thinking about salvation as though it's instantaneous, continuing, and it will be completed on the last day. And this is how we ought to think about it as well because this is how the biblical authors write about it. You're saved in a moment where God brings new life. But God's work is not done with you there. He continues to bring about a love for him. He continues to deliver you from sin and and grow you in Christ. And then one day he's going to perfect us where salvation will be complete. J.D. Greer tells the story of of a guy he met playing pickup basketball one day. and, and, And he starts to share the gospel with him. Because he thinks, you know, he, he's heard this guy tell about all these stories, of all, the, all these uh, people he's slept with, and, and all these things he's done, all these parties he's been to, and every, everything he's done in life. And, 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 and there were some, some clearly uh, ungodly things that he'd been engaging in. And, and so he assumes, well, this guy's not a believer. And so he starts to share the gospel with him. And, and in that experience, that conversation, the, the guy looks at him and says, man, are you witnessing to me? And J.D.'s kind of like feeling awkward because like, you know, how often are you witnessing to somebody and they realize what's happening and call you on it, you know? Like, that's why most of us are afraid of evangelism, you know? But he, he says, are you witnessing to me? And, 
And he says, well, yeah, I, I was. And I am. And he's like, oh, man, that's awesome. You know, I, I'm actually already a Christian because when, when, I, was, when, I, was, when I was younger, like, I, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I, I, I prayed and I, and I trusted Jesus. And then I thought, you know, I, I went to a Baptist church like, like you do, and, and, and they taught me that once saved, always saved. And, and, and so I'm good, man. So, like, I trusted Jesus back there, and, and now I'm just going to kind of go with this whole thing. I don't even believe in God anymore, but I'm a Christian because I prayed a prayer. And, and see, like, like, if I'm right about this whole thing, then, you know, I, have, I haven't lost anything living the way that I do. And, and if you're right about this whole thing, I'm still good because I prayed when I was younger. What this guy was missing was that salvation, it, it, it's not just this moment, but it's, it's ongoing. It's God's ongoing work in you. It continues he continues to bring about a love for himself and a love for those around you. Peter talks about how we're grieved by various trials and, and it tests the genuineness of our faith throughout our life. And, and then he goes on to say, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You, you continue to love God. You continue to trust God. You continue to walk with God. Salvation is a continuous experience where God continues to work in us. He saved us, he keeps saving us, and he will save us. Because salvation, it's, it's completed it, it will happen to those who trust in Christ, just like it has happened and is happening. It will happen. As Christians, you know, theologians, they, they call this idea glorification. The idea that God is going to perfect us in Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So there's this progression, theologians call it the order of salvation, where, where God from eternity past has, has looked forward and, and known he's going to redeem and then knows also he's going to continue his work in you and then perfect it. And, it, and just, just a side note, that Romans 8.28 verse, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Your good is not what you want to happen in your life, but what God wants to do in you. Your good is this God continuing to save and bringing about the completion of the work that he began. That's what God's good is for you. And so that's why there's so much hope in this verse, because 
in the midst of our greatest trials in life, when our loved one doesn't make it, when we get the cancer diagnosis, when our marriage is falling apart, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And it's still true in those moments because our good is not just what we want life to look like. Our good is the God who can save us, continuing to do it and knowing that he's completing it. Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That means there's a day when you will struggle to sin no more. There is a day when the things that you're walking through and and just can't seem to beat will be done away with. Salvation is instantaneous, it's continuing, and it will be completed for those who continue to trust in Christ. And, and we said, so, so how, how can I be saved? Well, Jesus says that as he goes about preaching the gospel of God, in Mark 1 we read that he says, repent and believe in the gospel. He says, turn from sin, turn from yourself, and trust in me. He says, trust in the one who can actually save you, who can actually do something about your problem. He says, turn. First John, we read, if we confess our sins, he, talking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He He will save you. He will continue his saving work in you, and he will complete it if you trust in him. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. The Bible testifies everywhere that this gospel, this good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, it has to be believed. That's how we receive this gift of God is faith. We take hold of it by believing this message. Salvation is not about what you can do for God, but what God already has done for you. It's not about you cleaning your act up, but Jesus making you clean by washing you in his blood. It's not about you becoming a better you, but Christ making you a new you. It's not about you living your best life, but Jesus living a perfect life on your behalf. It's not about working your way up to God, but God coming down to rescue you. And so is, is praying a prayer the wrong thing to do? Absolutely not. The, the wrong thing to do is to trust that because you said a magical set of words, you're good for the rest of life and eternity. The issue with that man I had talked about that J.D. Greer shared the gospel with was, was not that he prayed a prayer. Prayer is, is a wonderful response to the gospel. We ought to pray. We ought to pray a a sinner's prayer of repentance and faith where we say, God, I'm stuck. I'm dead without you. I'm, I'm hopeless without you. I need you. I need your grace. Thank you for saving me. And, 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 and I believe in you. I, I trust in you. 
It's a wonderful response to the gospel. The problem is, is when we think that saying a particular set of words makes us a Christian, when in reality we pray in response to what God has done in us that makes us a Christian. God works in you to bring about salvation, and you receive that gift by faith. And it's wonderful to pray in response to that, and we should. And, and I, I hope that you do today. How, how can you know? How can you know you're saved? Well, that, is there a moment where, or, or a time in which, a relative time when you can realize that you started trusting in Christ alone? for this salvation? And is this work continuing in your life? Is God continuing to bring about greater love for him and love for those around you? And, and are you continuing to walk in the faith? You know, there's a, a lot of things that we can read on social media about Christians and, and even megachurch pastors and such who have, who have had great falls out of the faith. And... And the test, according to scripture, of whether or not someone was a Christian is not a prayer they've prayed, not an action they've taken, not whether or not they read the Bible a lot or whether they go to a certain church. It's whether they continue to walk with Jesus. And at the end of days, if they belong to him. And, and, and he is able to hold us fast. Christians, through all of life's trials and sorrows, through all of our struggles against sin, the one in whom we trusted for salvation at the beginning of our walk with Christ is able to see you home. And so whether you're trusting in Christ for the first time today or struggling with faith as you walk through a difficult life right now, Let's look to this one in whom we have hope. At the end of service, Pastor Cameron and, and Andrew are going to be available at the back. If, if anyone would like prayer, would like to ask questions about what this means for you, they're going to be available at the back underneath the balcony. And, and I hope you'll take advantage of that. And if you won't, reach out to us somehow. We would love to talk with you and pray with you. Let me, let me pray for you now. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you have saved us. I thank you that we can find hope, new life, redemption. And God, that you're bringing about restoration, the restoration that we have always longed for. That there's joy in life in Jesus Christ. God, I pray for my, my friends right now that are struggling to believe. I pray that you would grant them faith, that you would help them to trust you. You would help their unbelief. God, help us to receive this gift of salvation because we need your help for even that. We need your help even to believe. And so, God, we do look to you in faith now. And we ask that you would complete the good work that you began. In Jesus' name, amen.